0: listening to the salt churches podcast here you can listen to messages inspiration and lessons learned about planting micro churches all across the nation thank you for tuning in to find more information you can visit us at www.saltchurches.com this podcast is brought to you today by salt churches founder parker green
1: Well, hello. I'm back here again. Normally, I would do a micro church podcast today, but um, there's a lot in the news about, or a disappointing amount, actually, in the news about the bombings, the multiple bombings in Sri Lanka, where there are close to 300 Christians now that have died or been seriously injured. It's more of a serious subject today, and you know I like to laugh and have a good time, like the next guy, but. I think what happened in Sri Lanka is not only devastating for those families, but um, I think in a lot of ways, the way the world is viewing persecuted Christians is mind-boggling. And I know a lot of people are making the comparison between Notre Dame, um, sorry, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a football school in the Midwest. The comparison between Notre Dame and uh, and what happened in Sri Lanka. But just to put this in perspective, I mean, that was a big building burning down and you have to remember the news love sensation. They love something that explodes, they love something crazy, they didn't have cameras on the bombings in Sri Lanka and to be honest in the world that we live in today people don't honestly care all that much about Christians being persecuted. Obviously Jesus cares, obviously God is giving those men and women and children their reward in heaven for being persecuted, but I want to dive into why, perhaps, why I think and I believe that Christians are being persecuted now more than ever. If you really, uh, if you average out the numbers, on a daily basis, about 10 people are persecuted, and I mean killed, for their faith, sometimes in public, without discrimination on age, gender, race. It doesn't matter. They're just as soon to stone or behead A seven-year-old little girl as they are a 40 or 50 year old man that knows what he's getting into. I think the reality is that um, the world largely ignores Christians being persecuted and one of the biggest reasons Christians are persecuted all over the world today is because we relate ourselves first of all to a criminal that was crucified and then rose again. The claims that we make about Jesus that he is the one way to life that he is the only way into the kingdom of heaven, that there is no other way is highly offensive. And to accept the fact that someone else died for you because you were so far from God that you couldn't get to him is an offensive thing to anybody with religious pride, with the pride that comes with the mindset of socialism, the mindset that comes with the learned West, so to speak. It offends people. The idea that anybody can access Christ, from the child molester to the person that thinks they have everything right and is a pretty good person, can accept Jesus and enter the kingdom of heaven is an offensive thing to say. Jesus was highly offensive. And we'll get into that in a second, but every single day, if you average it out, 10 Christians are killed, many in public, over 200 a month are imprisoned or taken away for their faith. These are just numbers people have, right? Over 150 women on a monthly basis are forced into sex slavery, raped or sexually assaulted for being Christian. On a monthly basis, children are sold into sex slavery for being Christian, for attaching themselves to this man, Jesus Christ, that rose from the dead. Too many people, I think, are ignoring the fact that the reality of our world that we live in is that is becoming less and less friendly toward Christians. I know many things in this world are getting better. Don't get me wrong. But on the opposite side of that, you have people that were heads of state or trying to become heads of state in the last election. In Obama and Hillary, calling people Easter worshipers. Now why is that important? Why does it matter at all, or why should it matter at all? First of all, it's irritating because it's just bad grammar. Nobody's worshiping Easter. But it's important because if these people, in one way, shape, or form, can remove your identity from Christ, or if they can sidestep the fact that a bunch of Christians were killed by Muslims over the weekend, then it fits their story and it fits their agenda. 68%, so almost 70% of all Christians that are persecuted in the world today are persecuted in Muslim nations, many in Sub-Saharan Africa, many in the Middle East. That makes almost 70% of all Christians that are ever persecuted at any one time throughout the month live in Muslim nations. It's an uncomfortable fact, and we wanna believe Islam is a religion of peace. But the simple fact is the fruit that it bears and what it consistently bears is not peace. Islam was started by a warlord. Christianity was not started by a warlord. Even the wars that we have started because of Christianity or a state run or state sponsored version of Christianity that I believe was apostate in the first place, we've said we're really sorry about that. That was a mistake. But what Islam says is something completely different. In their actual book, in their book, it says either you die, become a slave, Or you join. Die, become a slave, or join. Just like their founder, Muhammad, the warlord that took over most of the Middle East, that wiped out lots of Arabs, that wiped out many people groups in the Middle East, or converted them to Islam. 70% of Christians around the world are attacked by this. Now, what's the foundation of the reason why Christians are persecuted? There's two things that our founder, Jesus Christ, opposed directly in the open and two of these reasons are the reason reasons that he was actually crucified. Now, he knew he was going to be crucified. He focused on the fact that he was crucified. He set his eyes on Jerusalem. He No one took Jesus' life from him. Maybe, let me make that really, really clear. No one stole Jesus' life from him, right? A lot of people say some people murdered Jesus, but Jesus knew what he was doing. He was dying for the sins of the world and obviously planning on that old resurrection because we just got through Easter, right? So there's two things that Jesus did that he provoked as well, especially leading up to his death, that ended up getting him killed and gets Christians killed still today. Christianity... Christianity, in its true belief, in the gospel form, in the real gospel, not the social gospel, not a false gospel, not an attractional gospel, but the gospel that we find in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, and all the letters written to the churches, the gospel that we find there, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, sets people free because it tells the truth. Christianity and Christians are salt on the earth and light in the world because they show that the emperor has no clothes. That the way that the world systems work, that the way the the U.S. government works, the way governments around the world works, the the way religion works, and we'll get to that in a second, the way things work aren't actually working. That Jesus' way is actually a better way. So in any instance where government is God, any instance where government is God, look at Soviet-era Russia And still some parts of Russia today. Look at North Korea today where still hundreds of thousands of Christians are in internment camps, are in camps in slave labor. If you look at communist China, which is really upscaling, the fact that they're persecuting Christians right now. They're burning down churches at an alarming rate and persecuting Christians. I believe that the church will continue to thrive there like it always has. But if you look at any instance where government becomes God, where government becomes the provider, where government becomes all-powerful, where the individual starts to disappear, you will begin to see persecution. Now, Americans that are safe and worship in public right now, keep your eyes peeled on things like this. Is government God? How much of your life is government involved in? In how many instances is it the government's responsibility in your mind to care for the individual and not God's or his bride, his church? When government becomes God in any way, shape, or form, which happens in hardcore socialist environments, which has happened in Europe over time, it has become more and more and more a vacuum for Islam now to fill in so many of its cities. Because there is no religion. Irreligion is not a real religion. There's no real belief. When people are agnostic or they believe God is not involved in history, it leaves a huge vacuum for other religions, many times evil religions, to fill that vacuum. And yes, I will say evil religions because I look at the fruit they produce. Jesus told us that there will be false prophets. And that those, those prophets, watch them by the fruit that they produce. Look at what nations are ruled by Islam and ruled by these backward religions. You'll see that there's a completely complete lack of progress, and you'll also see that people are persecuted when they believe something different. I'm not saying there aren't amazing people that live there. I'm not saying that one person is more than another person. Every individual has unbelievably eternal value before God. Every single person and people group has value before God. But the reality is that in these nations where these bad fruits are produced, we can look directly to what people actually believe. It's an uncomfortable fact, but some nations just don't work as well as others because government is God and they are backward religions. Now, the other thing Christ challenged that got him killed and got his followers killed. You'll remember from the New Testament many times, The charge that was brought against Jesus' apostles, the charge that was brought against Christians, was that they said there was another king besides Caesar. Now, at this time, by this time, Rome had moved far out of being a republic, right? They were a republic in the start, but now they were a dictatorship. And Caesar made himself and set himself up as God, even to the point where there were temples in many cities to worship Caesar, the ruler of the Roman Empire. So to say that there was another Lord, to say that there was someone else above Caesar, was why many Christians were persecuted. So when you say in one way, shape, or form that Jesus is above government, Jesus is bigger than government, Jesus rules governments, Jesus decides what governments are in and what governments are out, when you say that he's sovereign and that you follow him, and that whatever rules the government sets for you are underneath the rules that Jesus sets for you and the rules that Jesus has in your life and the call that he has on your life supersede what the government tells you to do. Yes, I will believe what I will believe what I will believe no matter what any authority figure tells me because I have one authority figure that I'm going to answer to in the judgment and that's Jesus. When you start to say things like that, it upsets the balance of things because you can't control people like that. So systems of control like religion and like government are set up to take away people's freedom, piece by piece by piece. Many times it's done slowly, over time. Look at the process of how the Nazis slowly took away the freedom of the Jews and then eventually they ended up in death camps. You're like, oh, Parker, that can't happen here. I'm saying people haven't changed all that much. Still, the dividing line between a good person and a monster runs right through the middle of all of us, and that's something we all need to be aware of. These things happen piece by piece. Be aware of when someone tells you that you can't say a certain thing. Be aware of when someone tells you you can't own a certain thing. Be aware of when someone tells you that you have more than you should or you have less than you should or anything in between and the government, as God, is going to rectify that for you. That's when freedoms start to disappear. Historically, that's when freedoms start to disappear. It's happened in many empires, it's happened in many countries, and it's happening in many countries around the world now. So, Jesus says, I'm God, government's not. That drives governments that want to control their people insane. Governments that don't believe in the freedom that comes through Christ or don't believe in the individual or the rights of the individual that are God-given and not government-given will start to persecute Christians in one way, shape, or form. And that's what you begin to see. See, Islam doesn't believe in the individual. Hardcore socialism doesn't believe in the individual. It believes in the group collective. Tribalism, in all of its forms, Believe in the group collective. If you start with the individual and then move to the group, you have a healthy environment. If you start with the group and there are no individuals, no individuals with specific written down, codified rights, codified rights, which are in our Constitution of the United States. If you don't have those, then you start to see the individual disappear and these groups start to form and tribalize against each other. Look at what the politicians have done to us in the last 10 years. In the last 20 years, they've broken us up into little groups and piece by piece taken away our freedom. it's like, it used to be like, oh, it's crazy that they wiretap some people. Now it's like, well, who aren't they listening to? It used to be like, oh man, it's crazy that they shut down free speech there. Now it's happening on a daily basis. On some of our college campuses, you really can't believe what you want to believe or say what you want to say without having serious consequences. Piece by piece, these rights start to go away because the individual starts to disappear. So... Jesus believes in saving the individual. He also believes in saving nations. But we have to remember that the image of God rests on every single human being on planet Earth. And when we start to remove the idea of the individual. We start to lose what we gained over 2000 years of Judeo-Christian history. And that's when persecution really starts to take place is when individuals don't matter. It's all for the collective. And Jesus upsets that by saying, you choose whether you follow me or not, and I'll judge each person according to their deeds on earth. That is individual responsibility, and that drives people nuts. So I don't want to get too off track here. The second thing is that Jesus got killed for upsetting religion. <laughs> what did he say? Like it, was, it must have been a week or two before he got killed. He said, not one stone will be left unturned when he was inside the temple in Jerusalem. The most sacred place on earth. He says, this place is going to be torn down. He said, tear down this temple. He's talking about himself. And I'll raise it again in three days. Jesus removes the idea of the temple model of religion and places it in the individual. Now Jesus lives in you. You know what that does? That removes control from religion. Anybody that tries to tell you you can't hear from God... Anybody that tries to tell you you can't hear from Jesus for yourself, that you can't open the Word of God and interpret it for yourself, obviously, you've got to do it in a community fashion. You've got to do it with people, because if you're getting ideas that are insane and just locking yourself in a hole somewhere, you're going to get weird ideas about Scripture. But the reality is that if someone's trying to tell you to know Jesus through them, that's the number one way that you know that you're in a cult or you're in something crazy. When someone tells you, know Jesus through me, know Jesus through me because you're not quite there yet. Then you're not engaged with what Jesus and the revolution that he started actually was. Jesus removes the bonds of religion and localizes worship of God with the individual first and then the body of believers. If you don't believe that the, the Spirit of God resides inside of you and you're a Christian, then you're missing out in a huge way and it's a number number one of the reasons that Christians are persecuted around the world because 70% of them, like I said before, around 68% are persecuted in Muslim nations, right? Because Christians upset tyrannical religion. Because it doesn't work under the teachings of Christ. Because what does Jesus mostly teach about? He teaches about loving your neighbor, he teaches about loving one another, he teaches about following him, about carrying your cross, shouldering your responsibility, living a life worthy of the calling that you've received walking in spiritual gifts, bringing the kingdom of heaven everywhere that you go, that upsets tyrannical religion because tyrannical religion is about control, whereas Christianity, following Christ in its truest form, the gospel is about freedom. It is about the truth because Jesus says the truth will set you free, but most people don't want to see it. Most people don't want to open their eyes and look at what the truth actually is. We live in a world that doesn't understand basic biology. Christianity upsets that. We live in a world that doesn't believe that a man and a woman being married together and raising children is a good thing, that men being men and women being women is a good thing. Christianity rebukes that on its face and produces better fruit, and that drives people crazy. That drives tyrannical religion, whether it's religion toward government or religion towards a demonic god of some way, shape, or form, it drives them nuts because the reality is all of that is meant to control you, turn you into a robot, turn you into something that you're not supposed to be. It turns you into somebody that's good at doing church, but not very good at following Jesus. It turns you into someone that may pray five or six times a day, but their lives don't change whatsoever and produce poor fruit. It produces entire societies on a macro level that are in the Middle Ages still in the way that they think, in the way that they live, in the way that they they prosper, and the way that they treat women and children, and the way that they still hold slaves in some of these nations, all of it is so backwards because of what they believe. What people believe really matters. And when Christianity enters the scene, when Christ enters the scene, and real Jesus followers enter the scene, it upsets the balance of control that, that nations and that religion want to have over people. Christians will always be persecuted until the day Jesus Christ returns. Right now, it's more than ever. Why? Because the heat's getting turned up on control, and Christians are thriving as well more than ever, and spreading more than ever. We live in a generation that could actually fulfill the Great Commission, where every unreached people group could have a disciple in it. The heat's getting turned up. Think about it this way in a historical context. When the when the gospel first spread, and, and Christians were being persecuted, right, Right before Jesus came, a few hundred years before Jesus came, the Greeks took over all of the Mediterranean through Alexander the Great, right? He passed away, broke into two different kingdoms, but what they did is something called Hellenization. So everybody's speaking Greek. It's like the world's language. And then the Romans come and they take over and they build roads to everywhere to move their armies. So you have a relatively safe world that speaks the same language, right? In this Mediterranean zone. And then Jesus comes, people are speaking the same language, <laughs> Roads to everywhere that are relatively safe, not as safe, obviously, as some of the roads in the United States now, but relatively safe. So the gospel can spread with a common language and a common mode of transportation. You have an insane, insane responsibility as a believer in the world today, especially with how wealthy we are in the West, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in this same way. They took over an entire geopolitical region, Right? How many people now today speak English because of TV, because of what some people would call Pax Americana, where America is just kind of everywhere, and because of the British Empire before that, so many people speak English. There's TV. There's the internet, which is the new Roman road. I can fly and see my brother in Australia in like 14 hours, just hop on a plane, 14 hours, a journey that used to take people months. The spread of the gospel can happen in a way that it's unprecedented. And that's the reason Christians are being persecuted now. Because we have more opportunity than we've ever had before. So we will be persecuted more than we've ever had before. And the heat's coming down on nations that want to control people, the religions that want to control people. They want them to fall in line, turn into zombies, and just forget that they're individuals altogether that will answer before God for themselves and for nobody else If you're a Christian out there today, think about this. Don't think so much about persecution because there are no victims in Christianity. There was only one victim. There was only one person that that didn't deserve to die, but he did anyways. And even then, he rose from the grave. Jesus says that if we're persecuted, we're blessed, both in Luke and in Matthew. And Paul the Apostle gives that impression as well. And so do Peter and John when they're beaten for the first time. They say how amazing it is that we had the privilege of being embarrassed, essentially shamed in front of our entire community. Like, these are people that they knew. This is where they lived. They were beaten in front of everyone. Like, how much of a privilege that this is that we were ashamed for the gospel, that we were shamed in front of everyone for the gospel. Christians will continue to be persecuted. Why? because we upset the religious balance. Religion doesn't work anymore. Jesus says every stone will be unturned. Jesus' spirit lives in every single human being that follows him, that repents and is baptized and follows him. So he localizes following him in the individual and then with the body. And it upsets tyrannical governments because people don't think the same anymore when they begin to follow Jesus. They start to think in a different kingdom. Jesus, Jesus laws, Jesus rules, Jesus as our Lord supersedes every other rule in the book that any other nation could ever write. And that upsets control. You can't control people that are willing to be killed for what they believe. And that's why we'll continue to be so. And that's why Christianity will also continue to expand like never before through discipleship, through seeing people saved, redeemed, saved through the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to be aware that we are in a sifting season. We have to be aware in reality right now it's being sifted. What is the true gospel? What is really happening right now? What's happening in Sri Lanka is happening every single day to Christians all over the world. We have to remember that, and things that are even worse. So as their brothers and sisters that live in the West that still have our freedom to worship, first of all, be thankful that you have it. Be thankful for the price paid before you so that you could freely worship. But historically, windows of freedom, of religious freedom, are relatively short. Remember that you're at war. Remember to pray for people. Remember to pray for the expansion of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Jesus asked us to pray that first, right after we worship and acknowledge the lordship of him and his father on earth. He tells us to expand the kingdom of heaven, to pray for the expansion of the kingdom of heaven. And as the kingdom of heaven expands on earth, there will be resistance. Jesus has put that into our hands. The great commission is in our hands to make disciples of him. Expect Resistance. Expect people to try and shut you up. Expect people to physically harm you in some ways, in some places. Why? Because you upset the balance and set people free through the spirit of Jesus Christ. Through what he's doing on the earth. Through his lordship. Because people, once they realize... Once they realize that communion with Jesus, that being with Jesus is the number one thing that they need and the number one thing that they want and the gospel of Jesus Christ actually transforms the person, nothing can control them anymore, not even death, because we're people that have already died with him so we can be resurrected with him. Persecution's gonna keep happening. That's fine. Let's keep expanding the kingdom like good soldiers of Jesus. Hope you guys have a great day. And... I'll be back next week talking more about micro churches, but I thought this was a hot topic, so uh, jump it out there. The podcast will be up next week.
0: Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you feel inspired, encouraged, and empowered to change the world for the name of Jesus. Make sure to tune in and listen to our other podcasts and download our app, Salt Churches, found on iTunes. We hope to see you and hear from you soon.